Good morning. Hey, y'all are the ones that are here on time and made it through the cold. It's amazing how many people come in 10 or 15 minutes afterwards. I promise you, turn around and look and it'll, it'll double in attendance here. So talking about attendance, you have a black registration pad by your side. Will you please take that, fill it out and pass it down? And then if there's someone that comes in a little bit later, will you please hand that to them? Because we want to know who everybody is so we can welcome them. So I want to welcome you that are here in the sanctuary, those that are online, I'm Phyllis Barron, one of your pastors, and it is so great to get to worship with you today. And also, uh, I just want you to take the time when church is over to meet someone new. We have a lot of people here that are first-time people. We just don't take it for granted, but they really want to feel loved and welcome because y'all are such a welcoming community. So I invite you now, if you're able, to stand for the call to worship. In the midst of life's storms, God is there. In the darkness and terror, God is with us. Rise up, people of God, for you are loved and saved. Thanks be to God who makes us well. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who speaks a word of peace to calm our troubled seas, Caring God, who nudges us away from fear and toward faith. Ever-present God, who fills us with awe, but also rises many questions without easy answers. Open our eyes to see you in our boat today. Strengthen our hearts for the challenges that lie ahead. Open our ears this hour to hear the word you speak. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Hey, hey, everybody doing good? Yeah, staying warm? Awesome. Um, I want to take a second. Uh, last week, uh, my good friend Jackson uh, stepped in for me, uh, we, and he was awesome, yeah. Um, but uh, I got to tune in online to the MyFUMC app to watch, so do that if you're too cold and you're watching at home. Hey, you might be doing that right now. Um, but we had a little medical scare uh, in our family, and when that happens, um, you really realize how much we rely on God when the ER is involved and things like that. Um, and so this first song is one uh, that kind of opened my eyes this week. Again, it's an old one that uh, has been done at the gathering a lot. Uh, but I hope that as we can lift this song up together that we can acknowledge that we need the Lord, and that's why we gather here uh, in worship. This song is called, oh, yeah. Oh, everybody's just fine. <laughs> My bad. I should have led with that, right, Lance? Yeah. Everybody's fine. We're just fine. No big deal. Um, but we do. We need the Lord. And so that's why we're here today. Let's, uh, let's sing this song together. It's called Oh, How I Need. Lord, I find you in the seeking. Lord, I find you in the doubt and to know you is to love you and to know so little else I need you oh how I need you oh how I need you oh how I need you 
Thank you, Clint. This is a time that we call the prayers of the people, and it's a moment in which we pray together. Uh, you are going to follow me, and when I say, Lord, in your prayers, you will answer. So this is a prayer that it's also your prayer. So please join me in this prayer. My, by the way, my name is Samuel Macias, and I'm so glad to be here and to see you. Let us pray. Lord and God, today we come trusting you, and you accept us as we come today. We want to begin our week with your blessing. We have made it this far, so thank you. Keep working on us. Be the so. Can us be the person that you are proud of? So, Lord, in your mercy, we know that we have failed you time and time again, and yet your blessing never fails to come to us in our home. 
You welcome us as we present ourselves to transform us and make us better and stronger. Be with us in those moments when we feel weak and lost. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit, may your company give us the strength, wisdom, and humility to continue on our way so that others may see the light in us in the midst of their darkness. Lord, in your mercy. Today, we pray for those who are still struggling, lost in their tribulations, whether it be an unfavorable diagnosis, unexpected illness, the loss of a job or a project, a legal battle, the death of a loved one, those who are in crisis, pain, or loneliness. Lord, in your mercy. I invite you to name those who are in your heart or concern you or some special requests. Sabi, my daughters, my mom, Mary Helen, Irene, Rosa Marquez, Becky Dabi, and Pam. All these people that we love and care, that they're struggling, they need your touch, they need your strength, they need your healing. Lord, in your mercy. Thank you, Father, for listening to us and being attentive to our need. We rest and trust in you. Amen. Now it's the time to express our gratitude to the Lord. And I want to share something brief about what is going on in our ministry. Uh, and by the way, in the attendance pass, there are these notes. And these notes that are in our, in our attendance pass says prayer requests. And we take these notes from you and we pray for them all the week. But on a special day that is on Wednesday morning from 8.30 to 9.30, we have a special time in the chapel. And also, the intention of that was to have a prayer meeting. But something has been happening on that prayer time that it transformed to a prayer meeting to a prayer to go. So we are on, on outside of the chapel, and also my dear friend Angie is joining me that, that morning. And we're just greeting people that is passing by, but people are getting into the chapel, and they have a moment of prayer, and that time has transformed in something meaningful and powerful. And what that is, while that is happening, we still are also praying for your prayer requests. So Thank you for supporting our church because you are supporting our ministries, and, and we are so grateful that we can do that for you and with you. So thank you. Thank you for being part. And I invite the ushers to, to please come forward and help us with the uh, offering, and let's have a moment of prayer. Generous God, our guide on the way. As we continue in worship, giving our offerings in response to your goodness, we cannot imagine what will be of us if you did not guide our way. Your presence around us and guide us in the direction of the work you have for us. You have care and you will continue to care for your creation. So we recognize that you call us to do the same. We give our offerings knowing that our hearts will be obedient to you and your call for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning, my name is Kimberly Bird. Today I read this scripture in honor of my father, Carl Bird, who died two days before Christmas. <clears throat> I would appreciate it if you would join me today in reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter four, verses 35 through 41. You can find it on page 39 of the New Testament of your pew Bible. <clears throat> on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with, with him. <clears throat> they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And waking up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be silent, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that when the wind and the sea obey him? Thanks, Dad, thanks God. God truly speaks to us through the, through the reading of scripture. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say words of gratitude to the gathering band, to everyone who's connecting us online via the tech ministry. I, I am particularly thinking about the folks who are volunteering in children's and youth ministry, not just on a Sunday morning, but this recent Saturday, we had a third grade Bible lock-in. This upcoming weekend, we have a confirmation retreat and a youth ministry retreat. Those things are all possible because of adult volunteers who give of their time and energy uh, just to be present to help make those retreats possible and to really pour into the lives of young people. And here's a secret, just in case you didn't know, every adult who's ever volunteered to be a chaperone for a, a children's ministry event or a youth ministry event, every single one of those adults is terrified. And yet they show up and do it. And so I just want to say a word of gratitude and thanks. I'll be one of those terrified adults next Saturday at the confirmation retreat. And so uh, I'm just really thankful for all the people who make those things possible. I want to start today. My name is Lance Marshall, by the way. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. Welcome here on Fifth Street. Folks who are watching us online, either live or catching up later on on recording. It all counts. And I want to start today with a bit of a confession. I want to share with you something that's true about my life that is something that I do that is extremely obnoxious. It's something that I do that I am not proud of. Uh, I have done it about 10 times in my life, and every single time I do, I wish I didn't. And then when the opportunity arises again, I do it again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And uh, I want to share what that is. And I'm hoping that in admitting it to you, I will break the power of this habit and I can do something else the next time the environment arises. And this is the situation. Uh, It's happened about 10 times over the last five years. And the situation is I'll be talking to a guy I don't really know well. I'm just at some social gathering, some event, you know, meeting new people. And I'm talking to someone. It always happens to be another dad. And I'm talking to another dad and we're doing dad talks. We're comparing Yeti cups. Which football team do you like? Blah, blah, blah. Thought that was going to make you laugh. Okay. So, you know, we're just having dad talk. And, you know, at some point the what do you do thing comes up. And I mentioned I'm a pastor at a church. And the, the dad, it's, been, it's a different dad every time, of course, but the dad will say something. And I, I want to point out, he started it. <laughs> I want to point out that he started it. He just asked what I do. I said, I'm a pastor. And the dad will say some version of this. I love our church so much. He's talking about another church they go to, right? I'm not his pastor. He's talking about some other church. And he says, I love our church so much. We love it. We love what it does for our family we're just not able to go anymore because we're so busy with youth sports. That's what that dad will say to me. I I love our church. I love what it does for our family. I'm just not able to make it. We just can't make it because of youth sports. Okay, here it goes. (laughs) So what I say is, man, I get it, you know? When I was in junior high and when I was in high school, I was a real serious youth soccer player. And there were tournaments and there were games every single weekend and they were all over the place. We had to travel and we could never make it to church because of youth sports. And in fact, I was one of the kids who was saying, mom and dad, I don't wanna go to church. I wanna go to the tournament. I wanna go to the practice in the middle of the week. I wanna do that. That's what I wanna do. I was one of those kids who said that over and over again. And this guy says, oh, so you absolutely get it. And I say, yes, I absolutely get it. And then I say, and you know, and when I was 25 years old and laying in a hospital bed dying of cancer, all of those years of youth sports did nothing for me. Can you imagine that you're just at a barbecue (laughs) making small talk? (laughs) And I, in general, in rule, I have a no dunking rule in life. I don't like to say things, you know, that like in conversation, public or private, that are like a dunk, you know, or a booyah or a mic drop moment. But that is like a boom shakalaka, break the backboard, he's on fire. Like, uh, what are you supposed to say to that? They always just like, they just like disappear into the ether after I say that. (laughs) And I'm embarrassed that I do it. Um, And the reason I'm embarrassed is because I think what that unintentionally brings up in them, it brings up like shame and regret, and that's not what I'm trying to do, you know. But what, what I'm trying to point out, my goal for them is not just that they go to their church more. I do want them to go to their church more. But my point is, real life is at stake. Like, real things are going to happen to that family. Real things are going to happen to those kids. Real things are going to happen. 
There are going to be tragedies. There are going to be losses. There are going to be illnesses. There are going to be phone calls that come out of nowhere that change everything forever. It is going to happen to them. It is going to happen to you. It is going to happen to all of us. And my question is, are you ready when it happens? Because all of those years of youth sports are going to mean nothing when it does. So I don't get invited out socially very much anymore. Uh, but it really means something to me because I've been there a lot. Y'all know my story. I've been in that moment a lot. There's parts of my story I haven't even shared yet that y'all uh, will come to know. Uh, I've been there a lot. And I'm with you a lot in those moments. And these things really matter. And my goal is not that, you're, that you never experience fear, or you never experience hurt, or you never experience pain, but that when you do, you do so ultimately with trust and with faith and with hope that allows you to live in more than just fear. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And it's really rooted in our scripture reading today in order to have that kind of um, understanding of moving past. Because I, I believe, by the way, the people who I've mentioned this to in the conversation, I bet that guy believes in Jesus. He's a member of a church. He loves what it does for his family. I bet his kids believe in Jesus. So it's not about belief. My hope for them is to have the kind of relationship and knowledge and intimacy that results in real trust on which they can really rely. So when those phone calls come and those moments happen, they can live in faith and not just fear. And this scripture reading today is key to that. So what's happened over the course of our last few scripture readings is Jesus has been teaching and proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God. Something is at hand. Things are changing, right? This is real, and this has implications for you and for your everyday life, how you live, how you worship, how you treat each other, how you understand yourself. And one of the things that's also happening in the course of these conversations is he's demonstrating that he has power. He's not just saying these things, but he's demonstrating he has power. Over the course of the last few weeks, he's demonstrated that he has power over illnesses. He has power over demons. He has power over sins. He's not just a teacher. Real power is in him and through him, and that changes how you understand what it is that he's saying. So in the verses immediately preceding today's scripture reading, he's been teaching a huge crowd. And one of the things that he's done is kind of moved out in a boat a little bit. And those of you who've been on a lake know that sound travels over the course of the water better. So he's been in that boat teaching so that everyone on the shoreline can hear him. And then when it says they picked him up just as he was, he means without going to get supplies or anything along those lines, he tells his closest followers who are with him in the boat, plus some other followers and other boats around him, I want to head to the other side of the lake. That's an important thing to understand because where they live in that time and in that place, the lake is what we call the Sea of Galilee, but it's a really big lake. And the other side of the lake is somewhere that they don't go. They're good Jewish people. They live in their neighborhoods and their communities. And one of the most important things you do is if you're observant of Jewish laws and practices is you don't mix with people who aren't Jewish, who aren't of your background, who don't live and think and worship like you do. And the other side of the lake is where the heathens are. It's where the pagans are. And so to his closest followers, Jesus says, take me there to a place you've never been before, to a people that you don't know. Put your trust in me and take me there. And so that's what's happening. The Sea of Galilee has some interesting topographical features to it. 
It has some high hills that surround it that are also capable of funneling the wind. So very quickly, very strong winds can pop up over the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is also one of those big lakes that has a large area of uninterrupted surface water. Uh, so wind can really build up over the surface of that water and get waves really going really quickly. It also happens to be relatively shallow compared to the size of its width. So when you combine those things, the shape of the hills that surround it, the large open space, the relatively shallow waters, really bad storms can happen very quickly. And that's what happens in the course of this story. And we have a really good example of what these boats look like because some have been preserved pristinely for thousands of years. So you can go online and see exactly what a boat like this would have looked like. It's large and it's wide. It can fit about a dozen people in it. And these are the boats that they used to fish to provide for themselves and their community. And it's important to know and to understand that the other men in the boat with Jesus are fishermen. This is what they do. They are extremely comfortable in their environment. They've been doing it their entire lives since they were little kids, which means every single one of them has been in hundreds of storms and survived. Every single one of them has been in hundreds of situations with waves and winds and difficulty, and they've handled them all. And this one is different. The waves are building up faster than they've ever seen before. They're splashing over the edge of the shallow, relatively low edges of the boat. Water is beginning to collect in the bottom of the boat, which means they can't steer as well, which means waves are now catching them over the side of the boat instead of over the front, which means they have only a few seconds left before their boat is capsized, filled, sinks, and they're stranded. They're freaking out, and they look to Jesus, who is in the back, going... He's asleep. He's asleep. The ultimate sign of I don't care that you can possibly give. He's asleep. They're worried. They're upset. They're anxious. They're on the point of death, they think. And he's asleep because he's none of those things. So they wake him up and they say, teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? And he looks out over the storm and he doesn't do a magic trick and he doesn't use meteorological knowledge and he doesn't use any sailor's skill. What he does is he looks at the chaos of the elements of nature and he commands them to stop. And it doesn't go from a bad storm to a less bad storm. It doesn't go from a dangerous storm to a safer storm. It goes from the worst storm they've ever seen to completely and totally calm under the authority of his word. And he looks at them and says, why are you afraid? Haven't you come to have faith yet? And they're losing their mind because this doesn't happen in a vacuum. 
Remember, he's talking to good Jewish men, people who would have raised, been raised hearing the scriptures and being told the story of God and God's power and God's purposes. And deep in their psyche and their understanding is the kind of power that God has, the kind of power that stills the chaos in the very beginning of the opening uh, chapters of Genesis, the kind of power that parts the Red Sea when the people of Israel are being led to safety, the kind of power that calls up and calms the storm in the life of the prophet Jonah, the kind of power that's in the Psalms over and over again. Psalm 107, sailors cry out to the Lord and the Lord calms the sea. Psalm 104, the Lord rebukes the waters. Psalm 89, when the waves mount up, it's God that stills them. Psalm 65, God silences the roaring seas. Jesus shows the kind of power that he has and it's God's power. It's not just big power. It's not just new power. It's not just incredible power. He is revealing and teaching to them that the power that is in him is God's power. Why are you afraid? One of the things that I do when I'm in discipleship conversations with people, when I'm helping people transition from knowing things about Jesus to believing things about Jesus to trusting in Jesus in a way that changes how they live their everyday life. Something that I like to do is ask questions like, when was the last time you were really upset or angry or fearful? And people will usually have a story that pops up. It'll be a story about a fight that they had. Maybe it was with a spouse. And here's an example I'll use. No one's ever actually given this example, but it's a good example. They might say, well, I got really upset. I had a fight with my significant other over the dishes. And I'll say, okay, well, why did that bother you? I mean, why is that the thing that you would bring that up when you know, five days later you're in a conversation with me? Well, I was so upset because we've talked about it before over and over and over again. And I'll say, okay, we'll dig in deeper. Why does that bother you? Well, it's because we've talked about it over and over before and it's still an issue, then I feel like I'm not being respected. Okay, let's dig into that. Why does that bother you? Well, I feel like if my own spouse doesn't respect me, then maybe I'm not worthy of respect. Ah. There we are. It's not really about the dishes, is it? It's not really about the fight. It's not even about the respect. It's about the concern at the end of the day, am I really worth respecting? I call that digging until we get to the thing behind the thing. And when we get to the thing behind the thing, that's where Jesus always has good news for us. Jesus asked the disciples, why are you afraid? In the middle of a storm with waves breaking over the side of it, why are you afraid? And he knows why they're afraid, but he wants them to dig and to try to understand in their own hearts, why are you afraid? Well, we're afraid because it's a really scary storm and it looks like the boat's going to sink. Okay, well, why does that bother you? Well, if the boat sinks, we might drown. Okay, well, why does that bother you? Well, if we drown, we're dead. Okay, well, why does that bother you? Because if I'm dead, then it's over. Life is over. Existence is over. 
your power and teaching, this good news is over. Ah, haven't you come to trust yet? A really special thing happened in the history of the Methodist movement. It happened to be this week, 288 years ago, which I had no idea was the case. Don't you love it when things just fall into place like that and it makes you look like you're really smart and you planned? Oh, by the way, I'm really smart and I planned this. 288 years ago, a 33-year-old man named John Wesley was on a ship. Those of you who are familiar with the Methodist movement, the Methodist portion of the Christian family tree, it's rooted in the work of a man named John Wesley out of the Church of England and a bunch of his friends in the 1700s. And they weren't trying to start a new church. They didn't have theological innovations. It was just motivated by trying to help people move from knowledge about Jesus, from to belief in Jesus, to this completely life-changing trust in Jesus. And that transition and that movement and the story of Methodism for hundreds of years could not have been possible if it was not for this day on this ship, January 25th, 1736. John Wesley's on a ship going from England to Georgia. It's a four-month journey. And over the course of that journey, he's gotten to know, of course, his fellow travelers. Included in those fellow travelers are a group of Germans. They're German Christians. They're called Moravians, and they're part of something that's called the overall German pietist movement. That's how it's referred to in history books. The long and the short of the Moravians is that they are people of incredibly deep faith. The kind of faith that is transforming their lives. It's making them markedly different on a boat full of Christians. But there's something about them and the way they live and the way that they know Jesus and the way that that knowledge and that trust and that faith is changing them and the way that they treat everybody that is deeply in, like, engaging to this young John Wesley. I mean, he's a pastor. He's a priest in the Anglican church. He's an A-plus student. He's a guest lecturer at Oxford. His head is full of all of the right knowledge and belief about Jesus. And yet seeing these people and how they live is making him realize there's something they have that he doesn't yet. And it comes to a head on January 25th when a storm blows up in the Atlantic Ocean and everyone on that ship has been in hundreds of storms, and this one is different. And the sailors, and the captain, and John Wesley, and everyone on that ship is 100% convinced that they are about to die. And the only people that are not scared about it are those Moravians. And in the midst of this storm, Men, women, and children, these Moravians, are praying and singing and happy. They survive. The storm eventually quiets down. And Wesley talks to the Moravians and their leaders, and he's reflecting on it. And he's like, how are you guys this way? I mean, we're all so sure we're going to die. We're all so upset. And they said, we have trust in Christ. 
We have trust that he is who he says he is. We have trust that what he says is true. We have trust that where he goes, we also will go. We have trust that in him is life eternal. And we have trust that he has the power to make it true. So yeah, we want to live very much. We have a whole life we're looking forward to for us and our spouses and our children. We're on a way to go start this new life in Georgia. But when a storm comes up and it looks like we might not make it, we are not afraid. That's the kind of trust that we have. When I think about ministry and when I think about life and when I think about church, my goal for myself, for my kids, for you, is not just that you have right knowledge about Jesus. Not even that you have right belief about Jesus, but that you have a relationship and an understanding and an experience of his goodness and his presence and his power that when those storms pop up in your life, because they will, that when those phone calls come to your home, because they will, that you can experience and, and face and survive that moment with faith and not just fear. It's okay to be afraid. It is okay to be scared. It's okay to be upset. And every single one of those occasions is an opportunity for to stop and think and check, what do I actually believe? Do I actually believe? Do I actually have hope? Do I actually have trust? And when you learn to live and to trust in that way, it sets you free. Free to love, free to risk, free to try, free to be the person that Christ made you and called you and is shaping you to be. May you live with that trust in the one who calms the waters now and every day. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, each and every one of us faces storms that blow up out of nowhere. Each and every one of us experiences phone calls of tragedy and devastation. Each and every one of us knows not what the future holds. We want so badly that your promise be we never experience difficulty, that we never experience pain, that we never experience loss or hardship. Lord, we know your promise instead is that you are the one who makes space for us, that you are the one who is with us, that you are the one who never forsakes us, that you are the one who has the power to make it true. So Lord, help us move from knowing about you. Help us move from believing about you. Help us move into living and trusting in you so when the things that drive icy spikes of fear into our heart come to be, we know that your love is greater still. For yours is the power and the truth and the life, and it's in your name and in your work that we live and that we trust. And that together we pray the words that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I invite those forward who will be assisting with the serving of communion today, one of the reasons that we make communion the high point, the culmination of our worship every single Sunday and so that we can have a hallmark of coming to the table and receiving again afresh and new in our hearts another experience of Christ's grace and Christ's presence in our lives. Christ was having dinner with his disciples on the day he was to give himself up for us, and he knew that what laid ahead for him was crucifixion and death. He knew what laid ahead for them and their work of discipleship and apostleship was suffering and challenges and loss. Knowing what they were to experience and what they needed to hear. He took an ordinary loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it and passed it and said, take all of you and drink. For this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and offering his body and his blood for each and every one of us. Jesus invites us in to the story of his presence, of his grace, of his crucifixion and his resurrection, of his life eternal and his assurances that no matter what you face, he is greater still. This is not the gatherings table. This is not the First United Methodist Church's table. This is Christ's table, like his love, like his grace, like his power and his presence. It's for every single person here today, every age, every background, every understanding. In just a moment, the ushers are going to release you to come forward, starting with the rows in the back. When you come to the first station with your hands held open like this, a piece of regular bread or gluten-free bread will be placed in your hands. You'll then go to the next station where a cup of non-alcoholic grape juice will be ready for you. You eat the bread, drink the juice, and as you head down the outside aisle, there will be a receptacle for your now empty cup ready for you. The people in the balcony are welcome to come to the first floor as well. We'll also have a station up for you. This is for everyone who desires to experience the power and the presence of Christ. The table is set. The meal is ready. Come forward and be fed.
Okay, I am worried that in sharing that story, I got my name crossed off some invitation lists to some backyard barbecues. Please invite me to your parties. I promise not to drop any bombs on anybody. I'm getting it out of my system, okay? Thank you all so much for being here. If you are someone who's looking to take a next step, who is looking to go from attending a church to really having a place of belonging and community at a church, we have a place called the on-ramp here at the front of the congregation. If you would please come up and introduce yourself, we can help find a place to plug you in where you can find your people, your place of belonging. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, we also would love to say hello. Uh, we have a gift for you as well as for any kids that may be with you today. Also, as Samuel mentioned earlier in the service, we love to join you in prayer, particularly when you're facing those moments of fear and concern in your life. And we would love to join you in prayer this morning. We have Marsha up here at the Congregational Care Ministries sign, and she would love to join you in lifting up whatever it is that's going on in your life or the life of someone you love in prayer today. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And as you encounter that phone call, that moment, that moment of fear in your life, May you respond with trust in the power of Christ now and every day. Amen. Go in peace.